You're a Jewish hipster scientist. What do you think Einstein was? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc. You disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. And I'm Frida. And for our first episode, we're going to talk to you about Annihilation. But first, Abby, where are we, where are we recording this from? Uh, <laughs> well, originally we were going to be recording this together whilst drinking, but I have moved and now I am in London and you are in sunny Australia. That's right. So it is Sunday a.m. for me. Yes, Sunday night for me. Yeah, so instead of wine, I'm drinking coffee. And for some inexplicable reason, Frida over there in Australia on Sunday night is also drinking coffee. I am drinking coffee. I'll tell you why I'm drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee because, so to all viewers from the future, we're in the uh, middle of the coronavirus pandemic and I'm in Melbourne. And just this week, they've let us have some people over on our house. Of course, this weekend. What did I do? I had some people over, so I'm not doing so well today. (laughs) (laughs) So so I've had to have a coffee just to perk myself up. Whereas in contrast, in London this week, we are now finally allowed to meet one other person in a park and stay two meters apart. So I met my friend and sat on the opposite bench to her and we had a chat. So I'm perfectly fine today. Was it like Forrest Gump, Abby? (laughs) Yeah. chocolate (laughs) well i've decided that at some point in the future we'll have some special episode where we'll do it like on a saturday and so long as it's late enough in the morning for me i'll just drink like a mimosa oh yeah boozy brunch boozy brunch for you yeah classy ladies all right so we are two scientists yes physicists by trade yes we are and we met working together when i was living in australia and we like well you like movies a lot you watch a lot of movies you're way more into I'm way more into like trashy movies things that don't like I don't like drama so I bang on sci-fi give me something that's just shouty things and sparkly lights and (laughs) loud noises and I'm I'm super happy but I do find that with some science movies there are moments where you're like this is so cool and then they do something to explain the science or have a scientist walk in in some sort of a way and some sort of a zone and I just go huh and it just pulls me out of the movie and it makes me very sad or sometimes they go that was amazing and I loved it so we started talking about movies didn't we and we started talking about Annihilation yeah well I think the main thing is that me and you just couldn't stop talking to each other yeah and so we thought how can we keep this going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but Abby, I've got a question for you. You're in science now. Are there any movies which influenced you to get into science? Have movies played a role in any way for you in being in science? No. No. <laughs> I, I, That's a great answer. I can't think of any movie that I ever... Do you know what's really sad? Do you know the reason I chose... So I did my degree as a mature student. I used to work in theatre. Yeah. And I was trying, I knew I wanted to go to university and I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to study, but one of my best subjects at school was maths. So I was, and I never studied physics for my leaving cert because Irish, so leaving cert. Um, 
I basically went on the MIT courseware website and looked through all of their open courseware subjects and started looking at some of the lectures and I just started watching these physics lectures and went cool I'll go do that that's why I did it (laughs) I'll do that why did you get into science oh everything else was too hard (laughs) sorry what (laughs) yes I think I mean it's because I was in engineering originally because I was good at maths and physics, but I found um, there's too much group work in engineering. And I just, I just felt I just couldn't handle it. So I, I just thought. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lack of a love for other people. It is a lack of a love for other people. At the time, you know, I've come a long way. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there, when I was, I was little, 20, I took oh, 19, I can't remember. But I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle it. There were a lot of complicated reasons and might come out. <laughs> over the course of our podcast but I just I just everything else was too hard for me and uh I didn't, I just wanted to do something that felt easy and it just felt good we have very different experiences with physics <laughs> <laughs> but I did but I wanted to be like a mathematician like in the movies absolutely like I just really wanted to be that person that guy of course it's always a guy a beautiful mind a beautiful mind yeah oh, I just wanted to be him <laughs> Oh man! And when and when they they changed the um they put these special paint on the walls that we could use as whiteboards, so you'd write on the walls. So I felt super cool when I could write on the walls. And and they also had um they had these transparent so the physics the physics group in the university that I was in they they made the walls like clear and they made us also we can write on the walls. They encouraged it. They loved it. So people would walk by our building and go, "Ooh, there's physicists!" But I I loved it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> It's me. Oh my god. Riding on the wall. Yeah. I'm into a transparent wall with some with some colored like whiteboard um equations rocking it. I am into that. <laughs> but oh my god. Yeah, I just wanted to be there. I just want to be I just wanted to I wanted to be the person everyone's like, tell us I but I digress, Abby. I digress. Let's get into this. Yes. You digress, dear. <laughs> So we're here to talk about movies. Um, we wanted to talk about movies because we just like we just want to talk about how science is represented in movies. Not necessarily overly focus on how realistic the science is because they're movies. It's fiction. It's the whole point of science fiction. It's you know it's not realistic to a mm-hmm. certain degree, but a lot of the time these movies do try to pull from science and try to make it seem like oh there is a viable. But like they're not viable what's the word there is some basis for this story yeah but for me i felt that like i know i don't question the actual science so much it's how they present it it's the way that they tell the story the person they have telling the story and the way that they outline it throughout the movie as to whether i'm going to believe it or not and i i don't yeah. need to it doesn't need to be the science that i know or understand it doesn't need to be my field or not my field but that moment for me of just like, they've explained it. Have I just continued to enjoy the movie or have I just gone, huh? What the hell is going mm. on here? What are you talking yeah. about? Well, how about mm. you? What's your what's your feeling on it? Yeah, I think I watch a lot of movies and, and the way they like to have scientists in movies and especially female scientists, the way female scientists are in movies, like super hot and wearing high heels and 
you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's the way the female scientists are. And that shaped me a lot as well, by the way. It's just like if I'm going to be a female scientist, I want to be one of those. I want to be looking great and dressed great. It's sort of like this pressure of like a female scientist has to be someone that that's got it all and, and whatever, you know. And I think it's a lot of that depiction, like if there's going to be a female scientist and she better be hot or, you know, something. Um, so I think for that, it's the scientists and the way they talk, their everyday speech that scientists in movies have. It's always been a little bit odd to me. And I think, um, you know, the way they are with their families and <laughs> Um, yeah. And then the way, of course, science is done, the way labs are, that always makes me chuckle sometimes when I see uh, the way discoveries get made, like in Iron Man when he discovers that uh, Iron Man 2, is it? 3? 2? I don't know, when he discovers a, a new element and it's just sort of like, you have discovered a new element. There's, there's stuff like that, you know, that's kind of silly. Um, yeah. But it's all part and parcel of making a movie, right? Like you just have to turn things into good storylines, I guess. And then there are those movies where like it's just – I, I'm all for aliens. I love aliens. I love time travel, that stuff. Like I can suspend my display for all that kind of thing. Um, over explaining it for sure. When they like try yeah. to get too um, verbose on us. Um, that's a bit of an eye roll there as well. So I think Annihilation was a great one to start because it's a beautiful movie. Um, yeah. It's a little verbose with their explanations of science. Got a lot of lady scientists in there, very meaty. So it's a good one for us to discuss. Right, let's get into it. Let's get into the movie. You had the movie choice this week. You chose Annihilation. So, Frida, uh, tell us about Annihilation the movie. I will tell you about Annihilation the movie. All right, this movie, it was written and directed. Well, it wasn't written. It was based on a book of the same name. But the screenplay was adapted by a Mr. Alex Garland, who we probably know from 28 Days Later, Ex Machina, all sorts of cool movies. Um, and it tells a story of a biologist called Lena, who's played by Natalie Portman, a very guilt-ridden biologist. Her husband has gone off on a top-secret military mission um, shortly after she's had an affair. So he's gone off all depressed, and he hasn't come back in a year, so she's all depressed. And then what happens? He sort of turns up unexpectedly um, with no memory of where he's been, with no no knowledge of how he got home um, and then he starts to bleed and all sorts of things happen she calls an ambulance lo and behold they're um, stopped by a bunch of military vehicles who escort them to a top secret military base uh, where he's come from because it turns out uh, some alien form has crash landed into this lighthouse out of which has grown this sort of strange thing they're calling the shimmer and it's taken up this huge region and it just sort of keeps growing and her husband was selected with a bunch of other dudes to go and check it out and no one came out except him um and they've decided to send in a bunch of ladies lady scientists that is how science works if a bunch of men can't do it let's try it with women um and so there's a whole group ready to go and lena's turned up she's a biologist she's got military background and she's not allowed to leave. So she goes in with the group. Um, and their group is led by um, a psychologist called Ventress, uh, who's played by Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, who we love. And who else is on the team? There's a geomorphologist. So someone who's going to be um, 
measuring for any kind of magnetic fields in the shimmer called Cassie. Cassie's played by an actress called Tuva Novotny. There's Anya, the paramedic, played by Gina Rodriguez, and the physicist who's, quote, coming straight from her postdoc in Cambridge, <laughs> Josie, oh Josie Raddick, the physicist played by Tessa Thompson. So this group of women, they go into the shimmer and shenanigans. <laughs> I was going to say chaos ensues. Lots of shenanigans. <laughs> and things go and they lose a lot of time. They turn on each other, yada, yada, yada. And it all comes to head in this amazing sequence at the end when Lena finally gets to the lighthouse, finds Ventress there with an alien inside her, explodes, alien explodes out of her mouth to some super cool synth music playing in the background. Weird, metallic, alien, humanoid alien, copying Lena's every move. It's so creepy. It's so good. It's so weird. Such weird stuff happening. I really love the end of this movie so much. The middle, I kind of lost me, as you might have, as you might have been able to tell from my summary. Lost me a little yeah. bit. The human interest stuff, I sort of <laughs> bit yawn yawn for me. But my God, there were some great monsters. I love a movie monster and they gave us some great monsters and weird aliens and just weird slimy shit. And um, there was some good stuff in this movie, Abby. What do you think of it? What do you think? Yes. Yeah, I really, really liked it. I really liked the movie. I did. I remember watching it like when it first kind of came out because I was, I love a sci-fi movie. I really do. And my biggest problem at the moment, and I've said it to so many people, I constantly complain about it and I just want <laughs> Netflix to hear me, is there are so many sci-fi TV shows. I am so fed up of turning on Netflix and here's another sci-fi series. And I look at the, you know, I see a little trailer and I go, oh, that might be interesting. And then I look to the right and instead of seeing like one hour, 40 minutes or two hours, Mm. I see season one or like one season, two seasons. And it's like, we can't watch this many series like that. We don't have time for this. You don't. Yeah, I don't have time to track 10 or 15 different sci-fi series. But also because it's not even about that. It's about investing your time into something that you know is going to get cancelled. You know there's only going to be one series of this or maybe two series, if you're lucky. So you're never going to get the ending. You're never going to get that closing off of it for you. So I feel like they're missing a trick by asking people to continuously invest into these long series that people just don't Mm. want anymore. And I would much rather have a movie. Give me a good movie. A tight movie like condense down some of these series that you've made and give me one good movie and I'm super happy. Mm-hmm. So Annihilation was that for me. Yeah. I was like, awesome. Here's a great sci-fi movie that good I can just get into and enjoy. So yeah, I really like it. Get into it. You make a good point. Because like Firefly, Westworld, there's like fantastic series. Look, I'm not a sci-fi fan, by the way. I just need to just uh, <laughs> uh-uh. uh, qualify that. But uh, I've heard people like it and then they axe it because, I don't know, maybe the viewership isn't big enough, but I feel like there's, like, a massive fan base with sci-fi, so I don't quite get that. But, um, yeah, it was a good... There are so many science fiction movies on Netflix now. There's a lot. But this was good. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a difference between having a lot and having a lot of good ones. There isn't a lot of good sci-fi. There are more <laughs> sci-fi series than there are movies. Yeah. Maybe I'm not looking at the right ones. Maybe Maybe people can... 
send me movie recommendations please do this is my feeling about science fiction has always been like there's a lot of content and a little of it is good <laughs> yeah exactly. and often like that minimal bit and then there's just huge yes. amount of stuff you have to troll through <laughs> i know and often the ones that are good are kind of not so much strictly in the science fiction genre often the ones that are good are good because yeah. they're going a little bit out of it uh you know at least by my opinion well that's what this is isn't it annihilation is more kind of thriller it's kind of sci-fi horror horror yeah and it i worked. love horror yeah it did work and, and you because i know and you mentioned about the the synth thing i know you're obsessed with the synth thing i love Let's a go. synth well because yeah i mean to be fair you have made our theme tune which i'm in love with <laughs> Um, I don't know. You're super excited about it, but um, oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I know that you're together. into the soundtrack in general, and yeah. it was the same for me. Like I, I think you have more of a, a more, um, I don't, I don't know what the word is, a more of a critical eye when it comes to this stuff in terms of music and in terms of film and the actual technique, and because you are a big cinema buff. Whereas I'm way more just a bit of a cheesy, easy person. I'm just like, just give me something. That'll zone me out of my daily life. Give me something shouty, smashy, bang, yeah. crash, bright, flashy, and I'm super happy. I love. That's why I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm very much into sci-fi, fantasy type movies because for me, drama. I, I read a lot, so I'd rather read a book that was going to be a bit dramatic and a bit emotional than sit down and watch something like that. I'm Fair enough. just no. But so yeah, in terms of this, I know that the style of this movie and all of that is something that you were super into and the soundtrack and yeah, I, mm. I felt like it really set a great tone. Everything yeah. at the beginning really kind of super creepy. Yeah, it kind of laid it out. Like you said, yeah, that creepiness of it. We tried to say it earlier in a recording that was um, unfortunately cancelled by my computer crashing. May or may not be our third time. I really felt the Jennifer Jason Lee's tone along with the music, set this whole eerie, creepy vibe all the way through, which I was really into. She's creepy. She was great. She's like, you want to you wanna go in there? I know you do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's got a thing about her. She kind of whispers a little bit. Uh, I wrote a little note to myself when I watched it about, like, uh, I love the bed sheets when they show, <laughs> they show Lena's house oh, yeah. in the beginning. There's some excellent linen bed sheets and they had some good music playing and she's kind of painting it. I liked it. It was a really realistic bedroom and I th- a lot of movie bedrooms have like dust ruffles and weird ornaments everywhere that we don't have, people don't have anymore. I liked it. I liked it. She was kind of like a, it was a very minimal. Here's this person in her pretty simple house that you would imagine a scientist would live yeah. in a house like that, kind of like a townhouse. The bedrooms, everything's pretty simple. The soundtrack's pretty bare. It was like, there was a lot. And also, this is another good thing about it, is the opening sequence, they kind of show you the alien crash landing and it growing. There's no voiceover. There's no, these movies often have news broadcast yeah. explaining what's happened. Nothing. Loved it. I like when they just trust you to like put it together yeah. yourself. I appreciate that a lot. Well, it's that thing as well, isn't it? What we say about there's science and, the, and then there's fiction. And if you're, especially if you're going to speak about something alien, we can't say, we can't know. We don't know what's out there. We can make mm-hmm. assumptions based on life and existence on our world. We can make assumptions based on what we think a habitable situation would be on another planet or what types of organisms, what types of organic life could form and develop and evolve and survive in what types of conditions. But ultimately we can't know. So it never really feels necessary to overly explain something like that because 
what's the point in trying to say this is what it is exactly where it came from and this is exactly why it's like it is because we don't know that and it is fiction at the end of the day and we're there to just enjoy it and just you know have a bit of fun so and I did find that with this movie I felt like I really I really enjoyed it I enjoyed the colors the artistic qualities to it all of the vibes of it wait on that part I just go back to that point for one second because because I, I went I had a lot of um little uh, alien theoret like alien life form uh, nerds in my physics uh my physics class my physics year level the phd group that i was in people would actually sit around at tea and talk about like hypothetical alien life forms because that's definitely a thing that people like to theorize about and carl sagan theorizes about that what they might be if something did exist on jupiter what would it be so there are people that really love that topic and they they always would talk about that a humanoid alien is a ridiculous idea like it wouldn't be humanoid but this movie actually he finds a way to give you a humanoid alien and this is actually noted as i was watching it without so what they basically say is the aliens just trying to replicate us to try to live here it's basically trying to adapt to life on earth and that's why it takes yeah. on a humanoid alien uh, life a uh, humanoid form so that it sort of it doesn't it doesn't breach any kind of um any kind of rules about alien life forms and 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 what they would look like which i kind of like that from my sort of sciencey nerdy point of view i appreciate that and on that point i feel like we might get into the we're going to start with the themes yeah we're going to start with the themes but just before that i just wanted to ask you because i just i like that point that you made about the alien taking the humanoid shape to try to survive here because what i had read about the movie it talks a lot about like the the themes are mutation and self-destruction. The, the whole central theme is self-destruction. But for me, I didn't... And like the whole concept of it being called annihilation, it gives you this idea that this being has come to annihilate us. Like that's mm. maybe a little bit too kind of a straightforward idea that you would take from it. Like, oh, it's called annihilation. It's going to annihilate us. Because that's not mm. what the theme is in the book. In the book, mm. annihilation is the code word that they're hypnotized to use like that. So sorry, in the book, the psychologist actually hypnotizes the people before they go in and annihilation is the trigger word for them to yeah. commit suicide. Is it? Um, I think depending yeah, on what yeah, that's why she's a psychologist. Happening. I think she, so that's yeah. where the word annihilation comes from, yeah. but that theme isn't really explored in the actual movie itself. But I, I agree. Cause that's what yeah. I felt it was. I didn't feel like it was about, it didn't, come across about annihilation to me it came across about as growth as new beginnings mm -hmm. as as this yeah. being trying to survive this concept of not destruction but um survival yeah. I, instead I and and its only way of understanding yeah. trying to survive was it's trying to understand the environment around it the environment that it's now come into and how does it do that and what are the effects mm -hmm. that comes through so in terms yeah. of that being I think what the there's the theme that it was intending to do and then there's the theme that I was taking from it in terms of the alien but then there's the themes mm. that we take from it ourselves yeah I think we should go back for a second actually because I think we're talking way too much about the the sciencey mechanical stuff but also I, we forgot to yeah, talk about okay. the whole self-destructing thing mm -hmm. I just want to make a point about that um 
Um, I talked before about like that, um, apart from the fact that Lena's feeling super guilty that her husband's turned up after his runaway, after just had an affair, but all the people that have gone in there have, have reasons that they are sort of giving up on life or feeling somewhat self-destructive. There's, um, Ventress is suffering from cancer. She's close to death. Um, there's Anya, who's an addict. They say she's an addict. Um, Josie, um, is, she self-harms, she cuts herself. And um, Cassie Shepard, she's lost a child recently. So all of them are kind of feeling a little bit like checking out of life. Uh, and that's what's motivating them to go into something which is sort of uh, surely going to lead to their death. Um, yeah. And that was it. So, yeah, so the, the main central theme, central, blah, 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 blah. How do I say the word central? The mm. main central, <laughs> so the central. main central theme of the movie as described by the book and the film is mutation and self-destruction however we're trying to look at this from the point of view of how the science themes are represented so we have our trope of the week so in terms of science themes and science tropes what is the what what was your trope that you chose for this week for this i movie? have two things two super tropey things about this movie that i want to talk about okay now which are so tropey when it comes to movies which have scientists in them. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is um, science lectures in movies because this opens with her giving a lecture. And it's such a silly lecture. And, and science lectures in movies are always so, so silly. And they say such silly things. Um, and then you have people taking notes um, about nothing. So in this one, she's giving this lecture about uh, cells and they're basically watching a video of a dividing cell and she's sort of got this breathy voice voiceover when she's talking about they're basically watching a cancer tumor grow and she's talking about the rhythm of the dividing pair and these students are taking notes even though she's not saying anything and it really makes this is this is really a thing uh do you know what i'm talking about lectures silly silly lectures in movies yes yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the thing, and my favorite example is this Harry Potter. <laughs> Excuse me, but in Harry Potter, Professor Snape, when that the first ever potions <laughs> lecture, and Professor Snape comes running into the room with his with his robes billowing behind him and starts talking about. In my class, <laughs> maybe we can find a recording if we're allowed to do that. But he's just talking such nonsense. You will be brew glory. Yeah. Bottle death and Harry Potter's writing, brew glory, bottle death. <laughs> He's like, someone is not paying attention. Anyway, movie lectures are always so 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 silly. So that was my first. This is the one I want. I want to talk about movie lectures. And the other one, this is a, a super trophy thing about scientists, yeah. and I like to call it my sexy science pillow talk. <laughs> When scientists are in bed in movies. Doesn't, don't we all have sexy science pillow talk? You don't do that every night? Sexy science pillow talk? What else would a scientist talk about? We turn each other on talking about <laughs> science. It has actually, I have, I have had a couple of relationships where the thing was the science. They like, yeah. they love that I'm a scientist. That's so cool that you're a scientist. So you sort of ham it up a little bit. That's so weird. I've had the opposite. I've had, sorry, physicist, bye. What? It's really worked for me, Abby. <laughs> I go, you're a what? I was in the wrong circles. Is that unusual? 
And I go, yeah, it's super unusual. Yeah, because you're like a, a scientist, but you're like you're cool. Like you look, like, oh yeah, yeah, it's unusual. What can I say? Yeah, you're a hipster scientist. <laughs> but she's in bed. You're a Jewish hipster scientist. Yeah, like Einstein. What do you think Einstein was? <laughs> she, she, oh anyway, she's in bed with her husband and they're talking, sexy science pillow talk. And she goes, she's talking about how she's beautiful right but then she's going to age and she's not going to be beautiful that's the premise and she's going to say like that aging is cells it's god's mistake that that we age and that if and if the body was perfect and if cells didn't age i would i would look like this forever so beautiful this is like a weird cell based foreplay you know and he's like oh you scientists always with your science come here <laughs> so silly so those are my those are my tropes and i'll probably bring, <laughs> and i'll probably bring them up a couple of times later <laughs> but um yeah what came up for you <laughs> that's <Okay>. me <laughs> what are your themes for me it was very i actually found i had like a a mildly spiritual experience watching this movie no not spiritual but this whole concept of unconscious bias and i just kind of felt like that I personally fell into unconscious bias thoughts whilst watching the movie and if you don't if for anyone out there who doesn't know what unconscious bias is it's just this concept that we you know this whole like um, inequality for men and women in science in certain sciences uh, and that the idea that you might think that you believe in equality but you might have some biases that you don't realize and you they're unconscious biases so there was a couple of moments where I just found myself falling into some questions or thoughts that I had that I stopped for a moment and went, okay, why why are you doing that? But the first one was, why is the psychologist in charge? I was like, what? What is going on? Why is there a lady psychologist in charge of this whole secret military base? What the hell? <laughs> and then they explain it very easily because you're like, oh, because this has been going on for 30 years and there's been 12 expeditions of people who have never come back. So the psychologist is there to assess the people before they go in and determine if they're the right type of people. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. It's... And then like, it was the same where it was like, with Lena being a biologist, I was like, obviously lady biologist, pretty lady biologist, duh. And then immediately it was like, oh wait, she was a soldier in the military. She's a badass. She's like, you know, walking around, firing guns and mm, taking charge of everything. And um, and yeah, I had a similar thing with the sexy science talk because I did. I had that moment. I was like, oh, here's the pillow talk scene, all gooey and simpering. But then I was like, oh, but she's actually a little bit sassy and a little bit like, you know, I wrote I wrote down she's a sassy bitch. And I was like, because she talks more like the girls that I know in kind of like a bit of it's a bit of like, you know, ribbing back and forth with the guy. And it's a little less. Not not on the science side, but just the way that they interact with each other. Yeah, it's Banter. a bit more banterish, like the way that I'm used to. And it's not just mm-hmm. this kind of like, oh, I talk like this because I'm a lady and I talk like this because I'm a man. And that's not how men talk. And that's terrible. Stop it. That's terrible. Anyway, so I questioned <clears throat> my responses yeah. to these topics and I realized that I had to tell myself to calm the fuck down. Stop making an assumption. But I realized my assumption is there because that's what I'm used to. That's what I'm used to seeing in movies. I'm used to seeing women portrayed mm. in a specific way. 
So therefore, I make the assumption every time mm-hmm. I see it now, I have my little eye roll moment and I have my little, oh God, here we go. But in this movie, they actually contradicted me. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. And I liked that I kind of came away from it feeling like that and feeling like, okay, cool. So what I found interesting was there's this actress, Jamila Jamil. Have you heard of Jamila Jamil? Have you seen The Good Place? Yeah, I, I, you know, I have no idea who this lady is, but she keeps coming up with all these sort of liberal, liberal lefties sort of yeah. keep referring to her, maybe. I think I, I listened to Amy Schumer podcast with David Byrne, and David Byrne brought up Jamila Jamil's song about oh, say okay. their name or something, something. And he sang I, her song. Is that her? Is that Jamila? And also, she has she has some things wrong with her. No diseases. She uh, Jamila Jamil does. I think she does have a couple of. Um, I'm not entirely sure, so I don't actually want to say. Um, I I know her mm. because well, she's British, and so she was kind of like famous in sort of TV presenter realms here for a little while. And then she was in The Good Place. She's Tahani in The Good Place. And that is one of the best TV shows I've seen in a long time. And she's great in it. But I follow her on Instagram and she set up this thing called like I Weigh. And it's all about women taking ownership and women kind of not allowing, you know, it's not necessarily... I mean, it is about body positivity, but it's about kind of just finding a way to find other things about yourself to cheer, you know? Like, I got my driver's license today. Mm-hmm. I got my degree. I aced a test. I, you know, had all these other achievements that are not centered around, I lost five pounds or, you know, I fit into these jeans and things like that. So anyway, she has an Instagram account and she does these kind of questions where she'll ask people interesting questions and look for responses and one of the questions she asked was what's a woman in the spotlight that you hate and do you know the reason why you hate her and that just kind of came up at the same time that I had watched and had these moments with the movie and I realized it's such an interesting topic because we are kind of trained as women to dislike other women for reasons that are unknown to ourselves because it's almost like we are led to believe that only a certain number of women can be in a certain position. So if someone is in a higher position than you or in a in an area that you wish you would like to be in, then you must be critical of them rather than praise them. And I felt right. that that's what I was doing. I was being critical of the women in the movie. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say that it was that it's about a jealousy thing because it's female characters. But that was my whole thing, just that kind of realization mm-hmm. that this movie was giving me something new, giving me these female characters in a way that was really cool. But my preconditioned thoughts was questioning it instead of just enjoying yeah. it. So once I kind of did that and then watched it again, yeah. I was Are like, you- okay, cool. I, I need to I need to yeah. check myself a bit more. Yeah. I, 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 I roll a lot about like w- women in physics stuff when it, you know, women in science things. Um, it kind of always makes me roll my eyes a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, w- w- women, women, they turn it, we turn against each we other. Do. We're agents of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to be tearing it down. <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you meant, but she's cool. She's just, she's awesome. She's cool. There's a scene in the movie where she gets down on her knee and she shoots down the mouth of this fucking massive mutant alligator and she does it with so much commitment it is so awesome uh, that that scene really got me and i yeah and because like not only is the character super cool but natalie portman just 
really has a go at it. She really has a go at this movie. She was great. I think she must she must be such a professional. She's so committed. Even if it's super silly at times, she's just 100% in and I I like her a lot. Um she is one of those actresses though that like she can do she crosses over so well between like the drama, the mm-hmm action and comedy you know she's great yeah she's fantastic i um, really enjoyed her in this as well as well as jennifer i've Jason just sort of looked it up you said jamila jamil yeah jamila jamil so i was thinking of janelle monet yeah who i don't know who that is either <laughs> i just heard david Byrne say something about janelle monet jamila jamil these are neither people i don't know who any of them okay, are great but they're people social media people for, for sure yeah yeah so those are our themes so my themes are a little bit silly Yours is a little bit more serious, but I, I'm I'm introducing on the first ever podcast, sexy science pillow talk, and and if it ever comes up in a movie, we need to call it out. And if a movie yeah. lecture is silly as it was, thirty seconds long and just about crap, we'll we'll yeah. make a point of it as well, and we'll check ourselves the way we're looking at women. I mean, in science, yeah, I get that. Like when you're saying about the lectures, I get that they feel the need that they have to set the story up in some way. They have to give some sort of explanation. So there always has to be a science lecture, like whether it's to a mm-hmm. classroom full of people or a scientist lecturing, you know, a yeah. politician or a military person or someone in charge of something to explain the science mm. behind or yes, or set right. up the They're story. Setting it up. And I get they have to do that, but I I do understand where you're coming from with this concept that you watch a movie sometimes and you just have that moment where you just go like, what, what are they doing? It's, Why are they like, for me, it's, it's, it's just exposition. that it's the pulling you out moment. And that's mm. why it bugs yeah. me. It's not about being hypercritical. It's just about going, if you have a moment at any point in a movie where you just go, oh, that's not what it would be like, or, mm. or it makes you well, just not even that. feel a bit irritated. It pulls you out of the story. Yeah. Well, I think what you're feeling with the lectures is that often the lecture is like a device to explain the themes of the movie or to tell us something about the character. So it's actually exposition done pretty clunky, clunkily, you know. That, so she's setting up the theme of mutation and cancer and, 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 and growing a cell, even though it's a cancer. It's growing and it's beautiful and there's a beautiful rhythm to it, i.e. the shimmer. It's a, you know, cancer on the earth, let's just say, but it grows and there's a beauty there as well, even though it's a destructive force, you know. Um, So she sets the themes up. There's a, like, it's just a really tropey thing. Yeah. Using lectures like that. And it's so many movies. I don't know if you saw Crazy Rich Asians. I haven't watched it yet. That that is so silly. So she's like an economics professor. In America, they're all called Professor, Professor. Mm. Here we call our professors, we just call them David, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Sir. Not even. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Professor. So so she's an economics Oh, notice how professor. I said Sir and only Sir and I didn't say Miss. <gasps> Sir. I did Oof. have, there was and three I said David and Michael. in my um, physics department. When I, I just did it. Yeah. Um, so wait, Crazy Rich Asians. It starts off, she's like in a poker game. She's in a poker game mm. playing poker. And then she wins and the lights come on. And actually she's in a lecture theater and giving a lecture on game theory. Right. And and that's the lecture. And then she's like, hey, that's it, guys. The bell obviously rings. So the lecture was a poker game. And she says, your assignments on conditional probability are my desk. <laughs> You know, just 
probability poker. I mean, this subject matter and a lot of the subject matters there are rich enough that you don't have to resort to this silly, silly shit to put together a good lecture in a movie. Look, I had a lot of, there were a lot of wonderful teachers that did use stories and did use analogies in order to explain physical principles. That is different from this mm. just sort of total bullshit movie lectures. But yeah, those are our themes. Um, so the science representation in the movie itself, what did you feel? Like, start if you, uh, coming on from that, if we start with character representation, did you believe them as scientists? Lady scientists. Well, I think the only one who does any real science is Elena, to be perfectly honest. She yanks out a microscope. She yanks out a microscope. And I know you have, I've brought this up with you and you've told me it was a field microscope, which I didn't even know that existed. Because the whole time I thought, where on earth is she getting this from? But I've Googled pictures of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I've Googled pictures of field microscopes and they don't look that like that. They're kind of a little bit more portable, but I digress. She's, she's, she seems fully legit. She's talking in a way, um, collecting samples, looking at samples, being inquisitive. No one else does any real science. I don't think there's a, there's a point where the geomorphologist finds North. That was cool. But, but the physicist does not take any measurements. The geomorphologist does not take any measurements. The psychologist again. Okay. What is she doing? They've kind of taken her role that was in the book and scrapped it. But Lena's is the only one doing any science whatsoever. And you know, that's all very believable. There's a little bit of weird kind of, um, and look, every science, every movie with science, um, Every movie with science has a lot of this kind of like uh, conversations that um, make very little sense and they sort of talk to each other. So this, this had a little bit of that. I wrote, some, I wrote one example down. Okay, you ready? So she goes, stuck in a continuous mutation and someone says, a pathology. And she says, not sure you'd call it a pathology if it were human. Whatever. That didn't sound so good. Anyway, I'm going to scrap everything that I just said. But um, look, I'll just say, Lena, <laughs> yeah, look, she, she seemed, I don't know, I enjoyed watching her do science a lot. I, I had a lot of fun watching her do science. And the whole, yeah, so to me, that sounds super cool. No one else did any science whatsoever. I don't know what was up with that. What do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I was confused I think I said it earlier with the characters. I was just slightly confused about where they were coming from. It was like, it made sense. The group that was put together, the people that were involved, it made sense that they would go in there. But I felt like they didn't really capitalize on the use of the other scientists. It's like you you had Lena and she was great. But then it kind of felt like we were, we were following this eeriness and this confusion and these you know movie monsters which was kind of cool but the other women for me could have been anything yeah. like I didn't really see a moment where there were a couple of moments I think each one had one small individual moment where it's like okay well you know she's a paramedic so she'll do that and she's a physicist so she does that but like it didn't feel like they were a team working together it felt like they were there to be uh, dis dispensable. Yep. yep. Is that the word? And Lena was there to do the job. Lena and Ventress actually were there to do the job. But Ventress was there for her own curiosity to just get to the end. 
Lena was there to be the survivor and the others were just there to be picked off one by one as we went through the horror moments, which I'm fine with. But I just didn't feel like it was... um, It wasn't like, oh, they've gone into the shimmer and now you've got a bunch of scientists and they're all going to talk and they're all throwing about, banding about their theories or their knowledge of what's happening in there. It was just very much seemed like Lena figured out stuff and that was it. Yeah. They're called red shirts, But what I did appreciate... Red shirts, that's it. They were the red red shirts. shirts. And you're in a red shirt. Yeah, they were the red shirts. Yeah. Um, What I did appreciate though, because from... My perspective of looking at the how the science was represented, I was very curious about what the consultation on the movie was. So I did have a look at who the science consultant was, which did excite me because it was Dr. Adam Rutherford, who is a British geneticist, broadcaster and writer. He is actually one half of the podcast Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, which is a BBC mm. Four podcast and one of my absolute favorite podcasts. So I have a lot of respect for Adam Rutherford and I read a lot of interviews that he did talking about Annihilation and he actually was also the science consultant on Ex Machina as well oh yeah so and he did make some points he's made like there's some quotes that I have where he did say that he worked with all of the cast because they all wanted to know how a scientist would react what they would Mm. think how they would feel and all of that is buried into their performances so I do think that the actresses actors we don't need to say actresses anymore. I think we can just say actors. I do think that the actors put a lot of work into what they were doing. I just think that the way the story was being told wasn't utilizing their skill sets to the fullest. But then I also think maybe the story didn't need it. Well, it did it? They were just there to be um, trumpeting around following her, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they were all paramedics. <laughs> so bringing us into the actual portrayal of the science portion of what is happening in annihilation what was the explanation like for you what did what was the science to you what was the story they were trying to tell and did you believe it and did it make sense to you um it's a whole lot of questions you ask abby i'm gonna say that i'm very sorry this is what i think because there's a few different things in there like the way they explained it i'll get to that in a second but what i think what's going on is that the whole story the movie the um the shimmer is an analogy for cancer that's what i think it was i think it's cancer so i agree with that i think yeah and and we know that at the beginning it's made pretty clear because she's looking at um a cancer cell dividing and growing and talking about it being beautiful um and at the end ventress talks about it being it's it's it deserves to survive because it's so beautiful. And then, of course, Ventress, he has this whole thing. I mean, she has cancer. And what's her motivation for going in? She says something like, there's only so long that you can watch it go closer. She's talking about the shimmer, but I feel like she's also kind of talking about her cancer in the sense that she knows her death is coming and there's only so long you can kind of sit and watch it go closer. So if I look at it like that, like that the alien has some sort of intense radiation and it's just mutating everything inside it um yeah and not trying to go yeah i don't exactly right it's just some sort of radiation everything is just getting absolutely fucked and we're not trying to go into too many particulars about exactly what's going on then for me it kind of works really well and then uh then like i kind of accept that that works really well for me and i don't really need to go into it any deeper 
I think it's only when they start to get into the specifics that I start to kind of doze off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The specifics being the Hox genes and the whole world of refracting. Well, I can't speak for the human Hox genes. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, I thought this was super cool. What's that? So it's basically this sort of genetic code which tells... um, our cells to grow with you know in the direction of two arms two legs so the shape of a human so the trees had human hox genes either they were humans that became trees or trees that became humans or whatever so yeah well it's shape who, yeah that's that the hox gene determines the shape of how your body grows yeah so the idea in biology i think from what i've read is that you in you can't realistically put the hox genes from one species into another species and then that species will grow in the shape of the original one. For some Mm. reason, if you do that, it will still know to grow in the shape of the species that it's Mm. inhabiting. You can't take a rabbit and make it grow into the shape of a human. (laughs) Yeah, that it will still grow in the shape of a rabbit. Of a rabbit. But... Um, At the same time, you can take (laughs) this principle of a hox gene and you can look at like it, how it gets kind of shuffled around into mutations and you can just take it into the realm of fiction and just say, well, the rules don't apply. So let's let's allow the plants to have human noise shape and let's Mm. allow a alligator to have shark teeth and a bear to mimic the dying cries of a woman. But what do they say? What their explanation for it? I I don't even. I just want to ignore it because it makes me upset. I just want to say, radiation, mutation, and the, although, but what do they say, Abby? What what do they use to explain it? And this is, I guess, why they needed a physicist to come on to say this, right? The physicist needed to be the one. By the way, just about physicists for a second. She doesn't take any measurements at all. She just sits and thinks. She ponders. Because that's what She's physicists do, right? She's a theoretical physicist, Frida. We just note. We just go, huh. <laughs> oh, my God. I know what it is. It's refraction. Everything she is doesn't take. So what is this thing about refraction? <laughs> that they go, so nothing's getting out the shimmer. No, no signals get out. They go, what do they say? I've written down the exact word. It's not, they go, the signals are not, they're getting blocked, right? They're blocking, the shimmer blocks the signals. Not blocked. Refracted. Refracted. So everything inside there is refracting and the light is not blocked. It's refracted. And then they go further and say, our DNA is getting refracted inside the shimmer. So my DNA is getting refracted into the, tree dna and to which i say does dna send off a signal because according to my thoughts that uh it's a signal electromagnetic signal which can refract but i digress right Mm. (laughs) again i think they're using refracting and mutation in kind of the same way or i think they're using refracting as a way to explain a mutation or something you know, because I wrote that, I had a question in my own notes. I just wrote down the question, how is DNA refracted? And then I did find a response from Adam Rutherford where he says that it's a metaphor for what's happening, that DNA is being mutated in ways that we can't understand that's not possible in the real world. So it's just coming back to the idea of putting foundational real science into fiction. 
And that's fine. You do a little bend and twist of your idea, creating a fictional version of a real occurrence. But like, it's, yeah, for me, that whole part was just, it was just, it, I think I felt the same as you. I was just like, you don't need to explain it. Like, I'm fine with it. Just, just leave it. It's a, it's an alien being doing alien things. I'm cool yeah, with that. Yeah, totally. I agree. Cause, because the other thing is that like refracted and I wrote down for myself, not blocked, refracted. I wrote reflected, diffracted, and then refraction, blocked. I wrote all these things down because it made me think about what light does. It's either absorbed, transmitted, or reflected. Refraction is what happens when you go from one medium to another medium, and it, so to speak, slows down or changes the angle, as to say, of the ray. It's a, a form of transmission. So I think they really meant reflected. That's what I thought. They should have said reflected, but it isn't such a physics-y word. They wanted to say something real physics-y like refraction. And also it's like the shimmer has all these colors everywhere. And when things refract, well, they cut colors. And so it's yeah, sort of Yeah, well, feels is that right. what they meant? That when you think about putting light through a prism and then it, and you refract the light through the prism, so then you display it, the white light into all of its colors. Right from the so, visible spectrum is that what the concept was that were like everything is refracting colors. therefore it's changing it's all it's passed it passing through but passing through what mediums passing through the shimmer but it's not passing through the shimmer is it hitting what? off the shimmer and then refracting off the shimmer and then coming back around but what is the shimmer where's the shimmer coming from oh my god i'm spiraling i need to count down the, the miss <laughs> the whole the thing is let down by the fact that they need a physicist to say that you know they basically want they yeah. give this explanation they put a they ta- tack a physics word onto it and they chuck a physicist in the movie just to say just to say it it's refracting and why would a physicist know dna is refracting what do we know about dna nothing yeah. nothing do you know what it is abby it's just everyone is in a big soup it's a soup, a shimmer soup. Everything shimmer inside soup. the boundaries of the shimmer is in a big soup. It's all in a yeah. soup. And also like refraction. And then you had these, at one point, these twin deers. So these deer and a oh, twin deer. Deers. Twin deers. Double. Refraction. Whatever. Like there's no line that of, of reason that goes through any of the things that they saw that would lead you to go refraction. It's just a nonsense yeah. word in this situation that they're just chucking out there. Was this refraction made the bear speak in Cassie's voice? Oh my god, fe- her voice is refracted. <laughs> I feel like we need to highlight your background in physics at this po- moment in time. Okay, optics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just I do just so that we can um, show some <laughs> visible light uh, optics. Yeah, <laughs> or we call it. Phys- it's called the physical optics. Yeah, I have a PhD in physical light optics and a, and some extra optics. So there we go. I spent a lot of time with light diff- diffracting, refracting. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is a ray based explanation of light, <laughs> as opposed to a wave one, refraction. Who cares? But um, no refraction. Light light does one of three things: transmit reflect absorb or it is absorbed it is reflected or it is transmitted Hmm. whatever 
it's been reflected. I don't really care. That's what I mean. Like, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. This, this is where it gets scientists sort of wrong. And, and a lot of science fiction movies always come to this point in the movie where they do the explanation bit. And it's like they borrow words from all sorts of places. And, oh, my God. It's, it's like, please, just yeah. stop it. Just, yeah, an alien soup. We're in an alien soup, you guys. I do feel that, like, they, they had that moment in the middle where it was like, okay, we're going to give you some sort of scientific explanation for what's going on. And then they continue towards the end. They continue to that moment where they reached the lighthouse and where you met the being. And that's when the explanation stopped. There was no more and it was perfect. That moment when she goes into the cave and she finds Ventress and you just suddenly just have this completely alien entity and you don't really know what's going on. And I think we talked about this before about like I know you love that that moment where the where the entity takes the humanoid shape and does all this mirroring with um, Lena Natalie Portman's character. Yeah, and it's very it's beautifully super slimy. Done. Yeah, and I but it was weird because didn't we have very different um, takes from that scene? Didn't we mm. feel very different things? What I was, was just, your feeling of that? Oh, scene? slimy and creepy, it's like the most creepy thing. I found it emotional and sad. <laughs> well, I, I did, because pretty... I think I said this to you before, where I, for me, it was very like Bambi. You know, it was Bambi. like this thing coming to life and having a moment where it was like, is this what I'm supposed to be? Oh, a baby. So they're copying Lena and they're trying to, and it was kind of like, to me, it felt very kind of, are you my mommy? And then that sad moment where, like, Lena puts the grenade in its hand and runs out the door. And you're just like, oh, you killed the baby Bambi. It's very, I found it very kind of like, because I found it like, maybe, I mean, if you think about what we're all living in right now, very isolating. Like, that this being, and it's come to this planet, and it doesn't know how to survive, and it's trying to find a way. And then it meets this other being, and it's trying to figure out how to that's a whole lot of projection i know it's really weird isn't it it's a bit ridiculous you are projecting an intention on the alien and i think the whole thing is like think about the there's no intention i think it's just trying to replicate i mean to be fair it killed kane so what am i on about (laughs) i don't think the alien has an intention i think that's the whole genius of it is like this alien doesn't want to annihilate but it's just going to although when when she runs into jennifer jason lee and she's like oh so good and it's doing that. And she's going, it's inside me. It's inside me. It's going to devour everything. And it comes out of her mouth and it explodes Jennifer Jason Lee. And do you know what? When you said that you don't know what the alien was doing, I don't know if the alien even knows what it's doing. Just It's just, yeah. it's just existing. Which is like, but that's I love, the thing. I love that. That's why I found it sad because there was this innocence about it. It's like it doesn't know, it doesn't understand, and it's just trying to exist. And we're all just trying to exist, but we all keep. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm going deep into a metaphor for this idea of not necessarily the idea of self destruction, but this concept of we're not allowing others to exist. Or humans. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, humans, just in general. Humans that are like we all that. are like. 
Yeah. Humans want to destroy each other and want to beat each other, but I think we project that onto aliens. And we have a lot of alien movies where they're coming to try to take things yeah. from us and they're trying to destroy us and blah, blah, blah. But I think in this case, the alien just accidentally landed here and is just trying to survive, which is kind of refreshing. Because, yeah, definitely we project onto aliens a lot what we think their intention is. Because we're awful. Yeah. We are. And I suppose we are self-destructing by, by having this concept of like, only we can survive and constantly trying to destroy others for our own survival. We are ultimately self-destructing because we can survive better in like this whole unity thing. But not everyone agrees with that, which is why you've got people running around doing protests with guns and no masks on. Are you, oh no, are you saying that the alien is sort of destroying to survive? The alien, the alien yeah. is sort of doing that. It's like growing and yeah. destroying everything around it in order to survive. I don't think its intention is to no. destroy. Its intention is to survive. And it can yeah. only do that because it doesn't know how to survive in our environment. So yeah. it's just trying to find its own way, trying to live its own life. And, and that's what it found. Yeah. But in terms of all of that and then bringing it right into the end of the movie and you have like the final scene with Kane and Lena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that are they or aren't they I don't like I enjoyed how it ended but I think I feel like I would have preferred it ended at the lighthouse because then it threw all these questions up to me I was like well wait a minute how did the alien version of Kane get out and real Kane didn't but real Lena got out and non-alien Lena was destroyed I think she destroyed the whole shimmer she did. She's just. But she, why did her bomb won. destroy the whole shimmer, but the bomb with Kane didn't destroy anything? I thought Kane blew himself up. Yeah. So she blew it up, and then I suppose she yeah. she emerges. She's done it. But by then, it's already inside her. But because we know that she looked at her own cells at yeah. one point under the special field microscope, which we now know exists. And she looked into it. So they they both have the shimmer and I guess it will continue to replicate. But he's not a real person, is he? He's a, he's a creepy... No, he's the he's the alien version. He's, a, he's, the, he's his own alien version. Which also begs the question... I think I did. I wrote that down as a question, I think. More, more than one um, alien version. What is the alien? It's like a bunch of stuff. But it can replicate many forms. And she just destroyed one form. And he takes another form. So... She's destroyed the whole thing. Unclear. But Unclear. she destroyed the central form, so therefore everything else so dies. That's because convenient. it was all of that. I don't know. Well, you see, I love this though. I love that it creates this conversation. I love that it's not a finalized concept where you just kind of go like, oh, that was that. I know some people don't like that, but I always feel like when something like this that's so ambiguous and so difficult to define ends with a very clear definition you will always have people who will be like oh okay and you'll have a lot of people who will just be like oh that was crap and that ruined it or that didn't make sense Mm -hmm. so i do enjoy a movie like this that ends with a little bit of ambiguity because it creates conversation and thought and you're each then allowed to kind of have your own idea of what the ending was Mm -hmm. from what you took from the movie and i i think that's kind of cool and then you have all those youtube channels saying explained yeah Finally, this is what happened. <laughs> like, oh my God, what's the movie that um, everyone tried to explain? And I just went, I just don't even care. I enjoyed it. Inception. That was the one. Everyone oh, was like, whatever. The Inception explained. Whatever. And I was just like, 
do you know what? I just watched it. It was cool. It's for boys. All right. It's for boys that never thought (laughs) about anything in their whole lives. Whoa. A thing and a thing. (laughs) Who cares? Right. (laughs) So we've reached the end of the movie and the science. We have reached the end. So I do have a question in terms of the science. So as, as I mentioned, there was, for me, when it comes to science movies, there are moments where they either try to explain something or they do something in a way that's a bit too unrealistic for me that it just pulls me out of the story. And I feel like that happens at a different point with each movie that you watch. So what was the point in Annihilation that you just went, nah, I've checked out now? Are we at our what the fuck moment? Yeah. All right, we're going to play our what the fuck, our what the fuck bit because I've made one. Are we ready? What the fuck? What the fuck? Every movie has a what the fuck moment. Every movie is a moment that you look at it and there's just one small scene, big scene, who knows, but some moment where you just go, what the actual fuck was that? What's your what the fuck moment for Annihilation? Well, initially it was like uh, what I said in the beginning, where (laughs) where the physicist wasn't was impressed by a biologist <laughs> which wait talk but ab- still disclaimer we are physicists who like biologists very much we work for biologists <laughs> if it weren't for biology we wouldn't have a job no 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 no. <laughs> that's the whole thing about physics but um i i'm just gonna be super um literal literal with it and say that fucking bit when when they rip um, rip the guy's skin off. Oh. oh God! And his guts are moving around. And by the way, oh my God. there were so many things in this movie where they were just like, "Let's put this gross thing in." <laughs> yeah. What was the point of it? Well, it, it was, was a bit. Oh, it was, it was so like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it was like that. Yuck! <laughs> ugh, ugh, ugh. Yuck! This ugh, disgusting. And then, and then, uh, by the way, after that bit, the actual what the fuck yeah. moment, now that I think about it, is after that where Anya's like, it was a trick of the light. <laughs> you know, in a movie, things are a trick of the light. <laughs> in real life, no one's like, it's a trick of the light. That, no, that, it, how, no, you saw it on like, it's a trick of the light. He put his hand in and it squirmed across his trick hand. Trick of the light, trick of the light. That's another <laughs> movie trope. Nope, it was just a trick of the light. So, <laughs> trick of the light. Oh my god! Of course, it's the non-science one that says trick of the light. Paramedic. Yeah. The paramedic in the group is like, mm. um, what was your what the fuck moment? Tell us. Mine. So, mine was more from an irritation at a very practical or impractical moment that happened that I found very frustrating, which is actually very um, on point with or a current world situation of quarantine and isolation. So when, let me set the scene for you. Yeah. The beginning of the movie, Kane returns. He's been away for a year. He's been in the shimmer. He's the only one who got out. No one knows what's going on with him. His, he starts to bleed. An ambulance is called. The ambulance gets hijacked by these guys in black suits and glasses and guns and cars and they all get, dragged off to this secret military base. No one knows where the secret military base is. No one's allowed on the secret military base. No one knows what's going on with Kane, so he's put into quarantine. So he's in his own little quarantine tent in a quarantined room 
where you have a nurse or a guard or someone in full hazmat quarantine gear. Yet somehow, Lena is able to just open his door because there's nobody guarding it outside, walk in, whoever is guarding it on the inside in their full hazmat suit is either passed out or asleep, never explained, don't know what they're doing, they're just sat in a chair with their eyes closed. So she walks straight past the hazmat suit person with no protection on her whatsoever (laughs) to his quarantined bed where for some inexplicable reason, the actual flap, zip flap door of his quarantine tent is hanging open. So she just walks in and straight up to his bed and then you know has her moment no ppe i just i was i was literally <laughs> watching that one i was like what what what, what? where's yeah, your exactly. mask no ppe <laughs> straight up like just allowed to just walk in the door on the secret military base where there's just like freaking labs all over that are all covered in all these like plastic sheaths things protecting everyone from what's going on and she's just but why is the why is the flap just hanging open? It's yeah. like there was a scene cut out or something that was like a moment before where they were all in there and your one in the hazmat passed out and they were like, oh no. And they ran and just left everything to try to get help for the passed out woman. And just Lena happened to walk in at that moment. That's what I'm telling myself anyway. So yeah, that was my what the fuck moment. The lack of any kind of safety standards in a movie this is why you're a real scientist because you took issue with ppe i have other science friends who watch movies and they're like where's their ppe why is that open <laughs> do you know it's I such a silly little thing i know but it was just like, it I is just a... watched it and i was just like why is this happening budget i don't want to reshoot it it's budget i actually think this... i did have a... yeah yeah, yeah go on you go now, I was going to say, I did have another moment as well, like within that time that I just wanted to ask you about. Because I was like, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. When she gets there first, she's put in this orange jumpsuit, right? Um, when they first get to the base and Kane is like put into the quarantine thing. And she walks out and there's that scene where she walks out and she walks through the lab area to get to like the balcony where she then sees the shimmer for the first time. But as she's walking through that lab area... There's all these like uh, makeshift labs around. They're oh. all sectioned off with these clear plastic sheaths, sheets that are holding it all up. And there's all these people in white lab coats in there. And I did you clock this? As she walks through to walk towards the shimmer, every scientist in their white lab coat turned and stared at her. And I honestly was watching it going, have, have I, did I miss something here? Why are they staring at her? Why is, what? <laughs> Do, do they know who she is? Is she important? Is she important? Is, is there something that we haven't seen? Have they not seen another human being? Are they surprised that she's allowed in there? No, she's like, a biologist. They're going, oh, yeah. a biologist, eh? <laughs> Did you hear? I really like biologists, I swear. She's a biologist. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They heard from Josie Raddick. Although she's from... Super fancy hospital. It's very impressive. And she's hot. They're like, a biologist that hot shoots a gun. What a woman. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're like, look at this hot bitch rocking an orange jumpsuit. I watch this Netflix. So I think a lot of Netflix movies, you know, they have this sense of being like uh, shot pretty quickly. You know, not a lot of takes. um, Not a lot of script revision. It's like a way of making a movie, which is a little bit more budget friendly 
I watched this Netflix film and a lot of it took place in a hospital and it was so clear that the hospital was like a very small set with like a corridor, you know, and they had like two one doctor and a nurse actor. So there was a nurse, a doctor, two extras at one point, but like the whole hospital was like, they were shooting in this hospital where it seemed like the hospital was made up of two people. Right. And then I was like, I know this is low budget, but it's kind of killing me. Right. It's the same nurse. It's the same doctor. No one is in the hospital. There's one corridor. And then at one point, the nurse takes the patient to get an x-ray. Right. And I said, if this nurse administers the x-ray, I'm turning this film off. (laughs) And the nurse takes him in a wheelchair to the x-ray room and starts administering the x-ray. I was like, no, no Netflix. (laughs) No. <laughs> so oh, I get it. I get it. I can't do that. Sometimes, sometimes it's so... like when I used to work in theater. <laughs> it's like you've got an extra in the background, and it's like, okay, great. In this scene, you're working in the factory, and then you're on the street. Now you work in the shop. Just change your costume. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they go like this. Kind of looks like a military base. Great, done. Like whatever. Let's just shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I get the sense sometimes with funny. Netflix films, but I hear you. No, I get it. I think I like we both have but, different, 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 um, pretty different. What the fucks? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what were you going to ask me? So at what point in the movie were you pulled away from the story by something that just made you go, oh, or roll your eyes or did it even happen at all? Oh, uh, the, I mean, the refraction bit. Yeah. Obviously. I thought, I thought it was the refraction bit. It was silly. It was silly. And I have a feeling every movie we review is going to have a similar thing. Yeah. The moment where you say, here comes the science bit. And then I just say, make it stop. Make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, oh, it's so difficult. It's, yeah, here comes the science. Okay, so we are at our final segment, uh, pass or fail. First question, did the movie pass the Bechdel test? Oh, we should explain in the first episode especially what the Bechdel test is for anyone who doesn't actually know. The Bechdel test is essentially, in terms of women in movies, does the movie pass the test of having two female characters? Do the two female characters have names? Do they speak to each other? And do they speak to each other about a topic other than a man for any significant amount of time? I think the base limit is like 60 seconds. So did this movie pass the Bechdel test? Flying colors. Woohoo! Although I did see an article earlier where someone said it failed the reverse Bechdel test, which just made me want to find the person who wrote it. I think it was a Reddit post and I just want to punch them in oh the face. Oh my God, and they can that screw men? off with their reverse Bechdel test. Because men, men weren't there talking about... Really? Oh. Well, what Sorry, about the scene on the video? Boys in the movie. What about the scene when they're filming and the guts are going around? Yeah, there you go. Well, they might Dude, not have had names there. not talking about chicks. Maybe we should have the, the, the male version is, is, are there two men in the movie who spend any significant amount of time talking about women and their emotions? That is like an additional Bechdel test. <laughs> Bechdel <Yeah>. test. <laughs> Okay, in addition, well, look, this movie one hundred percent passed the Bechdel test. Yeah, well, it in had terms women of, being uh, normal. Female content, yeah. It had women being normal. 
So the second question is, did it pass the here comes the science bit test? No. It was so silly. <laughs> it's so silly. Refraction. What the F? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Refraction. Okay. And what's your final verdict? Pass or fail on the movie in general? It's a pass. I liked it. It was a good movie. Yeah. Tried to bring uh, bring some physics to the masses, um, but everyone loves everyone loves prisms, prism, prisms, <laughs> refraction. They go prisms, light, light there, light and prisms. So pretty rainbows. <laughs> but it was a little bit silly. It was a little bit silly, but you know what? It's a good movie, and God bless Natalie Portman. Please keep making movies. Yes. God bless Natalie Portman and God Jennifer bless Jason. Natalie Portman. God bless Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee. She has such a good so scream. Good. Such, what what other actress? Oh such yeah, a you, good you're scream, mad for her scream. Such a good whisper as well. <laughs> what a range, <laughs> whispers and screams. Yeah, I this movie one hundred percent passed the test for me as well. Passed the test. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. I really I loved the eeriness. I loved the. The tone that it set, the music from the very beginning. I liked the artiness of it. Mm. Um, the middle bit, the kind of horror moments with the, uh, with the, like the the monsters and all that kind of stuff. Like it was fine. I enjoyed it, but I kind of got back into it again. Then once it kind of came through that, and we got to the lighthouse. Yeah, after the uh, shenanigans. That pulled me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the shenanigans, but you know, it just kind of pulled me back in. Then at the end, into like, oh, okay, we're back in this kind of creepy yeah. realm of like something eerie and weird, and we don't know what's going on. Yeah, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed how it all played out visually, absolutely stunning. Sound stunning. was fantastic. So, so in conclusion, we go amazing setup, shenanigans, shenanigans, fantastic conclusion. Could have done without some yeah. of the shenanigans, <laughs> but like, I mean, I don't want to take away. A, we don't, uh, I think our aim with this podcast in general anyway, like we're not trying to be, we're not trying to say like the science in saying like, oh, look, it's not realistic. Because of course in science fiction, the science is not going to be realistic. So we're not overly concerned about like, you know, what can really happen in terms of Hox genes and, and refracting of, reflecting of light and such. But it's more just about like was it portrayed in such a way that allowed us to feel like it was believable or allowed us to put the science aside and just take the fiction and enjoy mm. the fiction and sometimes i think science is just such a hard it's such a hard topic because movies are trying to do it in a hollywood way to appeal to people who don't have anything to do with science but there's a lot of scientists in the world so there's always going to be people out there and scientists are tricky people fussy people know it all particular people yeah i mean so there's always going to be that element of kind of like oh was it real and could you do it mm. so we're not trying to be overly critical of the actual science but but if it's silly portrayal of it is yeah i mean it's like it's i like sometimes. this yeah and there's nothing wrong with laughing at a bit of silly science in a movie but there's, no, there's nothing wrong with it okay i think this was fun cool did you have fun? yeah so this was our first one yay and anyone listening, you don't understand what it took for us to get this recording done. <laughs> it took a whole pandemic. <laughs> so we're never talking about Annihilation ever again. <laughs> we are done. And Abby, you're picking the movie next time. What is it? Yes. 
So I have picked, it's another Netflix movie. Um, I have picked the 2016 movie Spectral, starring Emily Mortimer and James Badge Dale. I am looking forward to it. It's a fun movie with a... With a woman. 100%. (laughs) There's a woman in it. There's a lot of men in it too, but there's a woman in it. I like that you said her name first. Yeah. Good well, job. Also, it's Emily Mortimer. She's awesome. She is great. But um, yeah, it's a fun movie with an interesting take on the Here Comes the Science bit. So <laughs> we'll get into that in two weeks time. So if you would like to join us in two weeks time, please do. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on scienceatthemovies at gmail.com. Or you can catch us on Instagram at scienceatthemovies. That's it. Yeah. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Toodles. Toodles.